Good morning, I'm Marcy. I am the interim Highway Kids Coordinator right now. Um, so today is one of my favorite days, not because John's leaving. <laughs> Maybe because Dean's back, because I haven't heard Dean preach in 23 years. But, um, but um, I love family communion. I when we decided to leave our former church and look for a new place, I gave my husband a list of things that I was looking for because he was watching sermons online. I just said, these are the things I want. And I found out that two things that are really important to me that I didn't put on the list that Highway has, and that was the value that Highway puts on kids, and John especially, um, values and treats each kid like they are an equal part of our congregation, of our group, of our family. And I also love open communion, which was a fairly new concept to me. Um, so at Highway, we practice something called open communion. And what that means is everyone gets to participate. And a lot of churches don't do that. They give you a whole list of rules that you have to follow if you want to do communion. But we believe at Highway that God welcomes everyone. God wants us all at the table in our messiness in our problems. We don't have to be perfect to meet God at the table. He's there with us. He loves us and he wants us to come and meet him. So today, every person here, from the youngest to the oldest, from someone who's been here since day one, April 23rd, 2000, to someone whose first time in the door is today and they're like, what the heck is going on in this place? You are all welcome to join us at God's table. We meet God at this table and we remember all the things that God did for us. This is a celebration of Jesus' sacrifice and Jesus' love. And so, as I said last week when I did, or last month when I talked about how I would present communion to the littlest kids at our church, this is a time to celebrate our friend Jesus and to remember all the things that he did for us. So as you take that bread and as you drink that juice, wherever you're at, God is here today to meet you there. And we are so happy that you are here. So as, you, as the band is going to play a couple songs... We have communion tables over here. We have some outside. Help yourself to, oh, there's one in the back over there. Help yourself to the bread or the wine or the juice or however you want to do it. Um, we also have little pods. We have gluten-free. Hopefully we have something to meet everyone's needs. Um, so help yourself to communion with your family.
songs that we're going to do now is by an artist that um, has been uh, a longtime part of John as a musician and as his journey uh, into worship leading um, brought this song into Highway's canon, into Highway's um, set of songs that we would do. I'd like to invite you to stand, and, um, and if you know this song, it's a Glenn Phillips song uh, by, called Thank You. Thank you. 
Um, my best friend Isaiah over there, six-year-old Isaiah, he said, I need to dance. And he got up <laughs> and he started dancing. So if you feel the need to dance, if the spirit leads. My name is Janine, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Highway Community Church today. It is a special day for us. If you are new here, it's a great day to be here. Um, folks who've been here from the start, folks who were just born this summer are here. <laughs> Um, there's so much joy here, uh, and for me, I'm a little concerned about how kids that I babysat and watched as toddlers are now here and taller than me. We've been doing, I was like, come on, Junie, you can't be taller than me, and Jeremy Kitchen assured me that she is. Um, so yeah, it's a great special day to be here. If, uh, if you're new, we want to let you know, at Highway, we believe that as followers of Jesus, we are called to be missionaries in our neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, and among the least of these. If you wanna learn more about that, uh, you can check in um, at the welcome table at the end of the patio if you're here for the first time. It's also a great day to be here for the first time because you're gonna get food. Uh, so we're gonna, more on that later. Um, but also, if you wanna learn more but not right now, you can just go to highway.org new and fill out the information there and someone will follow up with you. Uh, giving, just a quick uh, announcement on this. Highways Ministry is fully supported by and dependent on faithful and generous gifts from our community. We believe that giving is an act of worship and that it helps us to rely on God as provider for what we need. Uh, you can give online at highway.org slash give. You can drop it off at our traditional old school offering box right behind there, behind Emmy. Hi, Emmy. Also another person who's taller than me now. Um, uh, Please, nobody come up and line up next to me to see if you're taller than me after this. Um, all right, speaking of kids who are taller than me, it is our hope that each uh, young person in our community feels truly beloved by Christ this morning and know that you belong. Um, you are always welcome to remain here in the worship service. Children under three can also go to the C3 toddler room. Preschool through fifth grade can meet their teachers at the glass doors. Um, and 6th, 7th, and 8th are going to go to A1, and then high school students can gather in A2. And as we have the mass exodus, kids leaving means actually that there's more seats here. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty full. So if you want to grab those front row seats or fill in, if anybody who's been standing out there in the back wants to come and grab a seat, there's going to be some space here. All right, today is a special day for a lot of reasons. Um, one of them is that we are celebrating John Riebenschnitter 
as this is his last Sunday um, with us as a, as a pastor. Um, and I'm lucky to have the mic during this time. It made me think about, uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to start now. Um, back in July, I actually did a similar thing that all these remissioners here did. I flew um, to my home, to my dad's church, um, to celebrate him as he retired. And so i um, really happy to have the remissioners here. Um, it's such a special thing to be um, celebrating your dad's ministry over decades of life. So. Um, and yeah, since I have the mic here, I, I'd like to say, how, um, so I've been going to Highway for 12 years, but we only really got to know John about six years ago, um, but it's been really some, some life-changing six years of having him as a pastor. I mean, who can say, who has a pastor that you can text about Taylor Swift, <laughs> about Taylor Swift and Kelsey? Who has a pastor that will come by this week and drop off a handkerchief for your dog that says, go Taylor's boyfriend, Kansas City, <laughs> on it? Um, but in seriousness, it's been such a privilege to, um, to have John as a pastor and to walk through life together. Um, when I was thinking about um, something that I've learned from him, uh, I love this, actually, that, that uh, quote, your, that lyric, your love is everywhere, open me open me. And I think that um, uh, for me embodies so much of John's leadership as somebody who helps um, everyone around him to be open and to walk through open doors and faith and, and this um, process of what you've been doing of helping us transition has been very open in that way. So um, we are here to celebrate him after service. Um, and so there's going to be a lunch. There's also a special area to write John a note of gratitude. If you'd like to do that, make sure to find the card station um, and share a story during that time. Also, next Sunday, we will be having um, a special welcome reception for Adam Hendricks, our new lead pastor, and his family. <laughs> They're somewhere here, right? Oh, okay, over there. Hi, Adam. Um, so Adam had office hours when we were going this, through the selection process, and I never went to office hours as a college student or grad student, so I decided to go to that one. Um, and it was basically pretty much me talking to Adam and grilling him for two hours. So um, I'm really excited for you to be joining as our lead pastor, for us to be welcoming you and your family. Um, so next Sunday, please stay after um, service for that and take part in a dessert recep reception in the backyard. All right. The next uh, third and final announcement is on Shepherd Team uh, nominations. <laughs> Who makes these slides? Um, so I am uh, well poised to speak on this because I was a shepherd for four years. I didn't get any sheep training, unfortunately, so maybe I need to go back. Maybe there's like a new round of training that we don't know about, Hanfany. Um, so shepherds is what we call, uh, we choose to, uh, that term over um, the typical, more traditional term of elders because it's out of our desire to more accurately communicate the function of being an overseer, which is also another eh, word. Uh, so sh because it really combines both leadership and care. So we think that it really like connects, um, really names um, what it means to be a leader, uh, a lay leader of a church here. Um, and if you wonder, how does somebody become a shepherd? That's a great question. 
that I am, once again, well-versed to answer. So every year during the month of November, there are nominations. This is our open nomination time. Um, so everyone is encouraged to nominate women and men to serve as shepherds according to the standards from a scripture outlined in 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7. In case you want to write that down or look that up. 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7. Um, and then in addition to this open nomination season, there's also... Um, a nominating team that's assembled every year around this time to prayerfully uh, recommend and consider individuals in the community. Um, for all submitted nominations, the shepherd team then selects and invites a set of qualified nominees, usually around January, to participate in a six-month training process. And so that's when this cohort of shepherds in training, as we like to call them, um, come together and prayerfully consider and go through uh, a learning series to understand more about the experience of what it's like to serve on the shepherd's team. Um, and then after a process of discernment, those final set of nominees are um, presented to the community and voted on at our annual business meeting in August. So um, that was a lot of long exposition, but all to say it's a, a great opportunity for you all to think through this um, month if you consider yourself a member of this church, like who um, you would love to um, nominate to, to lead. Um, and really it is, um, as somebody who was a shepherd for four years and a chair for two of those years, um, I have to say it is one of the greatest faith strengthening growing exercises that I've ever been a part of. And also just one of the, um, for me, it's a, just a, a community of leaders that um, you hold very dear and aspire to um, replicate out in the world. So um, if you think of somebody who would be great to be part of that group, you can send uh, that person's name to shepherds at highway.org. Nominations must be received by November 30th. All right, with that, speaking of shepherds, speaking of chairs, I'm going to invite up Lisa Hanley and Tori Hanley to introduce our special guest speaker. Yes, as when we say kids are welcome everywhere, we mean it. Um, good morning, everyone. It is so great to see so many of you. What did you just knock over? Uh, yeah, so as Janine said, I'm currently serving on the Shepherd's Board, so I'm excited to introduce our speaker for today. Uh, this has been a major season of looking back as well as kind of preparing for what's next. Inherently, as we get ready to say goodbye to John and all of these transitions, at least in this role, he's not really leaving. Uh, but you know, also who will lead us into the next season. And so as we celebrate John's tenure today and just all the years of service, um, it's been so fun to look through the pictures that many of you submitted. And I can't wait to hear more stories after the service. Um, and so as we thought about who would preach this morning, we thought, who, who else could? Who better than John's co-founder and partner in ministry for over 20 years, 30 years? I, more decades than I can count. 30. At Highway for 20 years, <laughs> 20 plus. Uh, but John's dear friend, co-founder, partner in ministry and in life, uh, please welcome Dean Smith. Yep. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Squeeze, pull, yeah. I don't do this much anymore, and so, you know. <laughs> uh, for those of you who I am greeting today, and uh, I'll, you know, I haven't seen you for a few years, I'll be remembering your names on my way home, okay? So, 
just, just <laughs> take note of that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And while that's true, everything else evolves into something new. And uh, as I look out, I see faces that are a little older than the last time I saw you. If you're like me, you avoid mirrors. Um, But trust me, you are changing. And what is true of people is true of organizations, even ones established in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. The constant is Christ and those who live in him and care for others through him. And it seems like only yesterday that John Raymond Schnitter and I were plotting how to do a new thing in Jesus' name that evolved into the highway community today, but with new iterations, iterations yet to come. My partnership with John in launching and leading Highway was easily the highlight of nearly 40 years of ministry for me, and so it's an honor truly to be a part of John's farewell. We're here today to celebrate the close of John's 23 years of pastoral ministry through the Highway community, and then the beginning of a new season for the Revenstioners. And giving all due respect to John is a challenge, since there's a lot of respect that is due him. But we'll do the best we can, starting with a verse from the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Now, during his third missionary journey, Paul made a visit to Ephesus. And there he found a group of believers who had responded to the message of John the Baptist, but they had not met Jesus yet. And when Paul shared the good news about Jesus, one of the 12 that responded was a guy named Epaphras. And once he'd experienced grace, Epaphras returned to his hometown, which was Colossae, to share it with others, and he started a church that eventually met in Philemon's home. And while Paul was incarcerated in Rome, it was Epaphras who visited him, shared his concerns about the Colossian church, which led to Paul's letter to the Colossians that we study today. Now, there are three qualities of Epaphras that stand out. First of all, Epaphras was a sincere friend. He was a beloved fellow servant who endeared people to himself through his authentic love and welcoming presence. He was attractive. People were drawn to him because he loved them. He accepted them. And he cared enough for his people in Colossae to take the gospel there. Uh, He cared enough about Paul to travel to Rome to encourage him while he was in prison. Uh, Epaphras was a sincere friend. Epaphras also had grit. He had persistence. He was a faithful minister. In opening his letter, Paul uh, commended the Christians in Colossae for their faith and love that springs from hope, saying, you learned it from Epaphras. And Paul described his commitment to prayer He said he's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Now, spiritual growth, helping people apply truth to life, is hard and it's slow, but Epaphras was a shepherd 
who never, never gave up on people, and in, he never gave in to all the pressure, all the heresies and philosophies and distractions uh, that were swirling around Colossae. And then finally, Epaphras, he loved people. He gave everything he had out of love for what God had done in his life. And this is the kind of love that wills the good of another. God's love is unconditional, and so was Epaphras' love for the people around him. He made an unconditional commitment to imperfect people, and it filled his life. For Epaphras, everything from love. In Epaphras, we have an example of a truly Christian leader, loving and loyal, secure in himself, willing to make personal sacrifices for the benefit of others. Now, there's another guy with a name that's hard to spell who's a leader like that, and it's my dear friend John Riemenschneider. <laughs> this may take a while. I may cry through this thing, so just please bear with me. Um, after experiencing grace through Christ, John chose to turn, not back to his hometown, but to his generation. John was born into what came to be called Generation X, also known as the Baby Busters, the latchkey generation, the uh, forgotten generation. Xers got caught up in the wires of shifting societal values in the 70s and 80s, leaving many detached and resentful, reacting to the world that they'd inherited. John noticed that his generation was becoming conspicuously absent in church and needed help to experience the grace that he'd received. I met John when I joined the staff of First Baptist Church of Los Altos, affectionately known as FBCLA, such a catchy title, right? <laughs> now called Bridges. I think that's probably a little better. Um, and, and that was in 1988. It was 35 years ago. I was immediately drawn to the preschool director, Jackie Riemenschnitter, because she was funny. <laughs> and she was authentic, and she was fun, and she was really good at what she did, unlike some of my other staff mates, but and we won't go into any of that stuff. <laughs> She had a high school senior named John, and I got to know him a bit when I became the interim youth pastor. The high school group had a tradition of inviting the graduating seniors to share their wisdom, it was senior wisdom, um, as they departed for college. And I remember, <laughs> it finally came to John, John just starts reciting this extended dialogue from the Andy Griffith show. And... <laughs> I thought, that's awesome. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> and Diana and I had a toddler son, our first, uh, Ryan, who was in Jackie's program. And, and John uh, would help his mom with the kids sometimes. And I remember um, watching him play what he called Mr. Relax with Ryan, which consisted of putting both hands behind your head and then going down a slide, which delighted Ryan to no end. And so I just, I really liked this guy. And I was sad that he was heading to college at UC Davis with his future wife, Lynn. 
who apparently were pretty much like a married couple by ninth grade, but that's another. <laughs> Fast forward five years. John and Lynn have graduated, and John is applying for a PhD program in Renaissance literature. And as I remember, John applied to 10 schools. He got accepted into one, and he wasn't that excited about that particular school. And so he decided to do a gap year uh, and then apply again. And so we needed a college director, and John made it very clear this is just going to be a one-year gig. Just, just a, just a one-year gig. But in that year, John began answering a call that filled his life for the next 30 years. Soon, John and I began working more closely together. Um, he began a post-college group called 2020, which some of you were in, um, which grew rapidly, gathered Gen Xers. I became executive pastor, which provided more access to ministry resources. And so while I was in a doctoral program at Fuller, I, I took a class called Boomers, Busters, and Beyond, which gave me a generational lens to look at ministry. And John and I began to talk about this stuff. And we began to understand why Generation X was losing interest in, in the church. So we began planning. We began planning a ministry focused on John's generation, Generation X. And John was the interpreter of his generation, and I was his boomer friend. <laughs> who identified more with Xers than his own generation. That is true to this day. Am I on? Were you? Okay. Okay. Xers entered a postmodern world of relative truth, of untrustworthy societal structures, cultural fragmentation, and general despair. Uh, that marked the generation. And in response, we identified four values to guide our ministry, and they're the values of the highway community to this day. Truth, authenticity, community, and hope. And the name highway came from John's favorite Old Testament passage, Isaiah chapter 35, the highway in the wilderness, the highway of hope. That was our vision. That's what we wanted to create. As we worked together, we realized that the influence of media and music had, a, had broad implications for this generation and for the church as well in terms of how we worship and how we teach. And that, that guided us as we planned. In February of 1995... Who was at that service in February, <laughs> Vinny and Chrissy? A few of you. Yeah, this goes way back. In February of 1995, we began a Friday night service that we called Highway. John and I had full-time positions, and so Highway would be in addition to those. But it was, it was a labor of love, and we'd never had so much fun doing stuff within the church. Meeting on Friday nights, it gave us a chance to try all kinds of things that we would have never gotten away with. <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Just videos that were just, some of them were just, they're awesome and crazy, nuts. We did live sketches. We would use secular music to make our point. Uh, we had extended jams after the, after the services and people were dancing around. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> we really loved it. Over the next two and a half years, um, as we continued to meet, we actually started a video company Highway Productions became Highway Media uh, with the help of a founder of Silicon Graphics, Rocky Rhodes. And when I became interim senior pastor in 1996, we were able to move Highway to Sunday mornings for two years until a new senior pastor came and shut it down. And they put us at 8.35 in the morning. 
So maybe they just feel like, okay, <laughs> maybe nobody will find out about this thing if we just put it <laughs> early enough. But over the course of time, that service became larger than the other two services. As, as parents realized that their kids enjoyed being there and they began to join them and sort of put up with whatever nonsense we were doing. Um, but it actually became something that really brought families together uh, within, within that church. Um, we did that for two years on Sunday morning, and then a new senior pastor came, and he shut it down. And all that became the catalyst to spin Highway Out as a church plant in 2000. And for the next 23 years, John served faithfully in whatever role was necessary, worship leader, programmer, coffee shop general manager, and lead pastor. On Easter Sunday 2000, we began services in the Haymarket Theater on the campus of Palo Alto High School. Our launch team was made up of about 125 people, as I remember it, evenly split between 2020 singles and uh, young, young nesting families, my generation. So it was like a barbell. We had singles and, and you know, young marrieds, and then we had the old folks, and then over time, that, uh, that, that filled in. We began to uh, envision purchasing the Red Rock Coffee Shop as a third place for community. And it was because of our, our real desire to build an authentic community um, that we wanted our offices in downtown Mountain View to extend our fellowship from a church campus into the community. And so down below was the Red Rock Coffee Shop. And um, we began to envision uh, buying that thing and taking it over and actually getting rid of the swill they called coffee that they were serving to the public. <laughs> in 2005, we had our chance. We raised $300,000 to purchase the Red Rock and then turn the community loose on redecorating and programming. Besides becoming a place to hang out, the Red Rock hosted coffee tasting, open mics, poetry readings, live concerts, comedy nights, and special events. I honestly think that some of my all-time favorite services through Highway was the Christmas open mics when the kids would come and perform. I mean, it was, just a, it was just a wonderful place for all kinds of community. My role was fundraising and cheerleading, but the heart and soul of the Red Rock to this day is John Riemenschneider. Now that same year, in 2005, we were contacted by Community Bible Church, which met right here, about merging our ministries. And soon Highway became a two-site ministry, Palo Alto and Mountain View. We did not want to move the community from Palo Alto down here. We liked being in the Haymarket Theater. And we knew that we needed manageable communities, just in terms of size and access to the pastoral team. And so to have two campuses in order to focus in that way uh, worked out really well. In 2007, it was clear that we needed a permanent lead pastor at Highway Mountain View, and I asked John to take over. And to do that, John had to leave a church community he helped create, and so many folks he'd walked with all the way back to the FBCLA days. But he took it on, and he built Highway Mountain View into a vibrant community. It actually grew larger than the Palo Alto community. And while we both felt it was the right thing for the ministry, uh, we felt a sense of loss. No longer were we working together as partners in the same community, which became difficult for me on many levels. Um, but John showed incredible creativity and love in shaping a community that has blessed thousands of believers. 
um, over the years in Mountain View. Now, John embodies three qualities that stand out. John is a sincere friend who endears people to himself. He has an incredibly sharp mind and an incredible wit. There's authentic love and a welcoming presence all packed in to one guy. And even though I'm 12 years older than John, I consider him to be my dearest friend. You might say that I'm an acquired taste. <laughs> but, John, but John always accepted me, and he always, he always respected me, weirdness and all. Uh, I've never worked with a more faithful, sacrificial pastor than John. He cared enough about his generation to change his life course in order to serve it. Also, John has grit. John has persistence. He is the definition of a faithful minister. Many of you here today are his letters of commendation. When the Corinthians challenged Paul's authority, he said, well, you yourselves are letters of commendation written on our, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And much of what they'd learned, they learned from Paul. And much of what we've learned, faith and love springing from hope, we learned from John. Spiritual growth, helping people apply truth to life is hard and slow. But John was a shepherd who never gave up and he never gave in to the immense pressure applied by all kinds of ideas, heresies, philosophies, distractions in Silicon Valley. Whether cramming in one more meeting, another cramming in another counseling session, a few more hours of message preparation, or prayer for you, John's grit was for your good. And John is an incarnational leader. He never wanted to be a religious leader. John is interested in helping people embody Christ's life and Christ's love. And then finally, John loves people. He gave everything he had out of love for what God had done in his life. And God's love is unconditional, and so is John's love for those around him. He made an unconditional commitment to imperfect people, and it filled his life. For John, everything from love. In John, we have an example of a truly Christian leader, loving and loyal, secure in himself, and willing to make personal sacrifices for the benefit of others. When I met John 35 years ago, he had a full head of chestnut brown hair. <laughs> and he was on his way to becoming an excellent musician, something he started picking up in college, and just far and away the best, the best worship leader I've, I've served with. And even today, we sing, we're still singing songs that John wrote. John created the foundation of the worship life for the highway community. John crafted creative guides for our sermon series that we preached through. Uh, we shared that through the years, and he helped shape the way he's teaching ministry uh, through that time. But as much as he has given to ministry, he's given more to his family. I've watched that <laughs> up close. There's a lot of things that could be said about someone when they're transitioning. But in this case, everything I'm saying is true. <laughs> this is not hyperbole. John could not have served as he did without Lynn. I mean, Lynn just <laughs> alongside 
total partner in everything that he was doing that we were doing together. John and Lynn have four great kids. I remember when all four of them were born. <laughs> Kyle, Trevor, Blake, and Shelby. And now Kyle and his wife Lauren uh, have a granddaughter. He has a granddaughter, Macy. John didn't let the demands of ministry distract him from a more important role, an irreplaceable role as a husband, father, and now grandfather. In recent years, John has been the hub, the cover of care for his family, for his father, Don, uh, who's now with the Lord, and his mom, Jackie. When his brother, David, had a massive physical challenge a few years ago, John orchestrated his care each step along the way. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's why today is important. It's important for us to imitate a life that is worth emulating. A life worth emulating has a commitment to truth. It has a willingness to share of themselves and to share life, to invest in another, and allow others to bear spiritual fruit. As you can see, John Riemenstetter is that kind of guy. I can't wait to see what the Lord, <coughs> excuse me, I can't wait to see what the Lord leads him into next. Let me pray. Well, Father, I mean, there's no, there's no way I could personally express how John and Lynn have enriched my life, our lives. I mean, it's just one of the most beautiful things in my life to have met him uh, those many years ago and to have the privilege of, of working alongside of him. Father, there's, there's so many great memories that I, I hope John will cherish as he thinks back through those years, so many wonderful things, crazy things, weird things have happened. Uh, as we just tried to be faithful and, and tried to move in the directions that God was leading us. And so, Father, I pray that you'll just continue to move John in areas in a direction where he can, he can continue to share all of that that you've invested in him. I pray that he goes out from today just with a deep sense of, of gratification, of a sense that he really kind of left it all on the field. <laughs> he gave everything uh, he had, and he offered it to you. And now you have a new season for him and for his family. And so bless him, I pray, Father. I pray that you would continue to encourage him and encourage others through him. And Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.